بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل بهی و قد المکاره و یا من یفتو بهی حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمسو منه المخرج الى روح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on صحيفة سجادية by Mizan Institute فخالفنا عن طريق أمره وركبنا متون زجره فلم يبتدرنا بعقوبته ولم يعاجلنا بنقمته after uh, Imam Sajjad in this part of the dua speaks of all the different things Allah has done for us and has given us for us to be able to be ready to pass His tests. He finally commands us to do things or to refrain from things. And as a result, what do we do? So He's given us all the tools necessary for our own growth, spiritual growth, through obedience of Him. What do we do after He has commanded us and after He has prohibited us from certain things to test us it says, فَخَالَفْنَا عَنْ طَرِيقِ أَمْرِهِ وَرَكِبْنَا مُتُونَ زَجْرِهِ It says that we turned against the path of His commandments and mounted the backs of His warnings. It's as if we were told to stay away from a certain thing, but we're riding on top of it and making the most of it, falling into it as much as we can. This is a problem, of course, that all of mankind has, that we usually will forget to be grateful to the one who has blessed us with blessings. And the thing is, as was mentioned before as well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't give us these things so we give him something back in return. He gives us abundance, he gives us blessings so that we can use those to even to secure even more than what he has given us in this life. So in other words, he's not doing this to get something in return. He is doing this so that he can give us even more. But to give us even more than what He's given us already, it requires for us to make the right decisions and choices and to take the steps in the right direction. But we fail to do so. We zoom in and focus on the now and the pleasures of the now versus later. Although the pleasures of later are going to be infinite, inshallah, are going to be eternal compared to what we have here, which is going to be super temporal and limited. Yet we still make the wrong mistakes. That's just how mankind is. Just like a little child if you offer a lollipop to a little child or tell the child that, you know, if you don't take this lollipop, I'll give you 10 bags of lollipops tomorrow. Sometimes they might just stick to what they can get now. Just like a child will have 50-year-olds, 60, 70, 80-year-olds who are still looking at this life as if it's everything. And so they will stop at nothing to get whatever they want here. And you're telling them, or religion is telling them that, look, you can have much more if you just put aside certain aspects of this life. You'll be given eternal and, and infinite things on the other side, yet they still don't make that decision. Just like a child who goes for one lollipop versus bags of lollipops later. Alright, so if we're acting like children in this whole thing, and that's just an example that I'm giving. Different examples can be thought of in regards to the poor choices we make. But just like children, if we're going to be like children, well, the one who is on the other side of the table that is trying to strike a, a deal with us for the Akhirah, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who's telling us to give up certain things here, nothing crazy, 
just to live within the boundaries of Islam, he who is on the other side of the table, how does he deal with this whole thing? So on one hand, I'm being like a child, you know, just sticking to the now. Does that mean that the one who is also on the other side trying to strike a deal with me is going to be the same or not? Well, usually in this world, in this life of the dunya, people will retaliate the same way. And so they will act the same way. They will be unfair if you're unfair. They'll be childish if you're childish. Usually that's going to be the case. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not like that. The Imam says, okay, this is us. خَالَفْنَا عَن طَرِيقِ أَمْرِهِ رَكِبْنَا مُتُونَ زَجْرِهِ We did everything wrong and got all childish about it. Is he going to be the same? It says, فَلَمْ يَبْتَدِرْنَا بِعُقُوبَتِهِ But he didn't retaliate like that. He was the bigger person in all of this, so to speak. وَلَمْ يُعَاجِلْنَا بِنِقْمَتِهِ Yet he hurried us not to his punishment, nor hastened us on to his vengeance. Now here it says vengeance. عقوبة means punishment. But I guess the translation didn't want to repeat the word punishment. And so I guess it just said vengeance. نِقْمَةِ uh, doesn't necessarily mean vengeance. It could be wrath. It can mean anger. We'll just say vengeance. Fine. You know, I think the message is clear. He didn't rush to punish us and to uh, let us be subject to his wrath and show us his wrath. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what sets him apart from everyone else out there. This Lord of ours, he doesn't retaliate the same way that we've been. Although we've been the worst when it comes to making decisions. Because look, the worst decision one can make is to, trade infi- is to trade infinity and eternity for anything less than that. Anything less than that. Even if it's a billion years of life that you get, a billion compared to infinity is like zero compared to infinity. It, this is what they say. And anything you compare that's limited, you compare to unlimited, you compare to infinity, is going to be less. Much less as if it's zero. Okay, so we made those big bad decisions. What does he do? He doesn't rush to get us back for it, so to speak. He doesn't rush to make us subject to his wrath and anger and vengeance and punishment. Then what does he do? Well, he does what a loving and caring God and Lord would do. And I wish these excerpts of our du'as would be mentioned more and more in our lectures, in our Sunday school classes, in our in whatever else programs we have for youth when we're talking to them or as parents even to our kids. I wish we would talk about these things as well a little bit more to highlight that this is the Lord we have, not a Lord of just punishment and wrath. Usually when, I'm not going to say usually, but you know, you hear this a lot, that when parents, for example, they get angry at their kids, what was the first thing they say sometimes? Like, you, d- you did this, you did that, Allah's going to throw you in the hellfire. Allah's going to burn you. Allah's going to punish you. I don't know if that's something that is encouraged Islamically, to raise our kids with a fear of God in this way as if, He's waiting to get us back for something wrong we've done. But even if someone's going to say that and is going to take that approach, they should at least give it a balance with also discussing these matters as well. When, we, when our kids make a mistake, we tell them, don't worry, Allah is all forgiving, Allah is all merciful, things like that. Let's read this part of this dua together. Every now and then to go over some of these lines. Maybe even listen to these podcasts with them. <laughs> Not to force them though, but if they're ready for it. Uh, to, to at least listen to these parts with them, you know, so that our kids growing up, they get that idea, okay, this is, just like my parents, 
I know if my parents might get upset at me, it's for my own good, then Allah, even if he's getting upset at me, it's for my own good. It's not that he's waiting to punish me or it's as if he doesn't want his hellfire to go to waste. And so, you know, he's going to make sure some people end up there. No. وَلَمْ يُعَجِلْنَا بِنِقْمَتِهِ بَلْ تَأَنَّانَا بِرَحْمَتِهِ تَكَرُّمًا وَانْتَظَرَ مُرَاجَعَتَنَا بِرَأْفَتِهِ حِلْمًا These two parts, these two lines are very nice. تَأَنَّانَا تَأَنَّانَا comes from تَأَنِّي which means to go slowly with something. And this is just my what I'm feeling, what I, what I get from this word. تَأَنِّي when it's used, at least in Farsi, you get this feeling that it's going slowly for, with for something because the person knows that that's the only way you'll get the result you're after it's a it's a slow movement a steady pace that is accompanied with wisdom that's what i want to say it's a deliberate slow and steady pace let's let's call it that so here it's using that verb it says that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ta'annana so the the english here that i have it says no he went slowly with us through his mercy, because of his mercy, as a result of his mercy, he went slow with us. Takarruman, in generosity, it says in the English translation that I have here. Takarruman, gener- generosity, or t- in, a, in a way that's honoring us. So, out of honor, out of generosity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is treading with us slowly. <clears throat> and this reminds me, like a little picture comes to mind. When I read this, is that he doesn't? He's not rushing us like a person uh, that wants to teach their child something very quickly, and as a result gets angry. Like, why aren't you learning? No, no, they know what our capacity is. It's like a parent that is trying to teach their child how to walk. Okay, there's no way to teach the child unless you walk along with it very slowly until it gets the hang of things. You know that there's no other way it's going to learn. You can't expect, you can't expect your child to know it as you know upon birth, know how to walk upon birth, know how to talk upon birth. No, things take time. So you're treading slowly, walking along with them slowly, as if you know that that's what it takes for them to learn to walk. It takes time. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He creates us, He knows what He's created. He knows all the challenges that we're going to face growing up in this world, and so. We do have hadiths that Allah is a, is a bit more flexible with the youth. The youth don't have experience. The youth are full of energy. The youth take risks. The youth get in trouble more than others. Allah knows that. And so Allah goes a little easier on them. So all of this is to letting us know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He understands our capacity and doesn't expect more than that. But I do have to say, like we can't let this fool us either and be like, yeah, it's going to take me a long time. The guy hasn't been, has not been praying for 50 years because he's not quote-unquote ready yet. Come on, like when are you going to be ready? Like, No, no, you try your best as well. But when we make mistakes, okay, like it's understandable. Allah knows that we're going to struggle sometimes. And so it's not like every every moment we make a mistake, he's going to strike us with with lightning or something. No. And awaited our return through his clemency, in mildness. That's what the translation says. So he is awaiting our return. Why? Because of his ra'fa. Okay? Ra'fa and mahabba and love, these are kind of synonymous, although there is a difference that they've mentioned. 
I'll get to later, inshallah. But through his ra'afa and love for us, and out of his hilm and forbearance and holding back and patience, hilm is a level higher than sabr. Sabr, sometimes you are going through a hardship, it's bitter for you, but you're patient in the face of it. Hilm, though, is is a level higher, which means that you don't even you're not even affected by that thing negatively. Sometimes something affects you negatively, but you're patient. That's very praiseworthy. But even greater than that is to be halim, to have hilm and forbearance, meaning that you're not even affected, you're not even phased by things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I said, He knows what He's created. So He's going to be halim towards us, waiting for us to return because of His ra'fa. So I said I will explain the difference between ra'fa and Mahabba and love. Um, and what I meant was the difference between Ra'fa and Rahmah. Rahmah is usually translated to mercy. Now here in the in the translation it says clemency. But let me explain this a little bit. Sometimes you will have mercy to someone, towards someone. And uh, at the same time though, you're not happy with them. You don't like them, right? So you're showing Rahmah and mercy for something that someone that you don't like. You're not... You're not on good terms with. But sometimes, no, 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 no. It's more than that. You love that person and you're showing them mercy. This is more specific than rahmah. This is ra'fa. You can't dislike someone you're having ra'fa towards, in other words. While you can have rahmah and mercy towards someone that you don't like or you're upset with. So this is very interesting. When tadara muraja'atana bi'ra'fatihi through his love for us, not a lo- not just mercy towards us, but love for us, an unwavering love, and out of forbearance for us, he's not he's not affected negatively. He's waiting for us to return. Isn't that just beautiful? And this is the Lord that we have. So it's as if it's like that mother or father that's standing at the door, waiting for their child to come home from school. Let's say, <laughs> or that mother or father who um, whose kids get. Or, or child gets angry at them, slams the door shut, says, I don't want to eat dinner. But the mom or dad, what do they do? They still prepare the meal for their child. They know the child is going to come back. And they'll wait for that child in the kitchen. They might even come and stand behind that, that child's door and wait for him or her to open up the door so they can give them give the food to them. So this is out of ra'fa. This is out of hilm. They're not affected negatively by it. They love this child so much that they're going to still do this. They are waiting for this child to just reach out so that they can put that food in their hand. That's that's how Allah is. Of course, this is the example I'm using, parents, but that's not even a good example because even the love of parents for their child falls short of the love of Allah for us. The mother and father have given birth to this child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given existence to his creation, so it's different. It's going to be a million times more, this relationship that we have. That Allah has towards us. I mean, why should He even be waiting for us? Think about it. Allah is like a king. Which king out there? Which celebrity out there? Which important person out there waits for non-important people? No one. No one. None of them. No one cares about others who are much, much, much lower than them. So this this just shows that it's at another level. Allah's relationship with us is at another level. It's not like a king and his servants. This is real love, just like the mother. And so this reminds me of uh, the famous dua of Abu Hamza al-Thumali. 
And uh, the famous line inside that dua that we have, or famous lines that we have there, which really get me every time I reach this part of the dua, <clears throat> where the imam, he says that, you know, I did wrong, in you know, we did wrong, and we fall into sin, unfortunately, and all of that. But you still hide it, you still cover it up. That you cover up my sins, but still I have no shame. And I act upon the disobediences of you and the sins of you. I do them and I transgress and I did something so that you don't like me anymore as if. But even the fact that you might be upset at me and not like me anymore was not enough for me to to get upset and worried. I could care less. So he goes on, he says, So through your hilm, the same word comes here as well. Through your forbearance, you gave me more chance. You gave me more time and opportunity. And through your covering, you covered me up. This is the part that's important. These, I would say, are another way of explaining what we just had in the dua of Sahifa, where he said, Painting a picture of that parent that loves their child so much, they're waiting for the child just to reach out, open their door so that they give them whatever they want. Here it's saying something along those lines. But what I'm trying to say is this. Let me, let me, let me explain it in this way. Allah is going out of His way for us when He didn't need to. Okay, now this going out of the way, sometimes you go out of your, your way a little bit, sometimes you go out of your way a lot, right? Sometimes you go out of your way because your child makes you angry, you don't punish them, you don't ground them. Sometimes you go out of your way that you go stand behind their door with a nice, warm, fresh meal that you prepared for them, although they slammed their door and they said, I don't want to eat anything. And you knew it was just them being angry in that moment. There's different ways of going out of your way. Sometimes you go out of your way, you bring yourself down as if for that person. This is what we have also in Dua Abu Hamza. I'm gonna, I'm about to translate these two or three lines as well. Okay. But what I'm trying to say is they're echoing the same thing we find here in Sahifa. Allah going out of His way to the full extent. <clears throat> and like when you read this, the wording that I'm about to read, you're just like, did Allah have to go out of His way this much for us? Unless He really loves us that much. Did Allah have to, as if bring himself, God, uh, God forbid, bring himself down this much just to show us, through the words of Imam al-Sajjad in Dua Abu Hamza, just to show us how much he loves us? I guess he did. Because it says that, uh, Hatta, it reached the point, O oh Allah, أغفلتني, it's as if you became oblivious to me, as if you forgot the bad things that I've done. You know, you're like thinking to yourself, apparently he forgot. But, or else he wouldn't care about me that much. The fact that he's caring about me still shows that he must have forgotten, you know, the bad things that I've done. It's as if you gave me a guarantee that you are, are not going to punish me for the bad things that I do or I, or I have done. To this extent, sometimes Allah looks at me and he's like, I know what you did, but I'm just not going to punish you. Sometimes he kind of shrugs it off as if it didn't even happen. Or he's forgotten it, God forbid, like as if. And this is the climax of it. Hatta It's as if when I sinned, you were the one who was ashamed and is kind of hiding from me. 
Isn't that crazy, brothers and sisters? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should is not he's not to be ashamed of anything. I'm the one who's supposed to be ashamed. But I'm not ashamed, and it's as if he's ashamed. Have you noticed like sometimes if you do something wrong in the presence of someone who's a very spiritual person, a very righteous individual, what do they do? It's that they look away. They'll act as if it didn't happen. It's as if they get it, they're ashamed that you did something like that in their presence, you know? Something along those lines. It's as if Allah is ashamed of me. I'm the one who's supposed to be ashamed. This wording, brothers and sisters, if Imam al-Sajjad hadn't used this wording, I can say with confidence, we're not allowed to speak like this about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Imam al-Sajjad is introducing Allah to us in this way. He says, look, this is the Allah we're talking about. This is the Lord we're talking about. That He will let us go, 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 go to the point where you're like, maybe He's ashamed of me when I sin. Not that I should, not, I'm obviously not ashamed of Him. But apparently He's ashamed of me because He's not showing any retaliation whatsoever. Now, of course, we have to understand that's for this life. In the hereafter, it's a different story. Everything will, we, can, we can be held accountable for everything we've done. But we have to understand, in this life, He could have right away punished us and not giving us the opportunity to even turn or turn back to him but no as imam sajjad said in this dua of sahifa intadara murajaatana birafatihi hilma he's waiting he's patient he's overlooking he just wants us to open that door again which brings us to the next part of this dua walhamdulillahi alladhi dallana ala tawbati allati lam nufidha Okay, so all of that was said. He's waiting for us. So all praise is due to Allah, the one who showed us the way to tawbah. Dallana. A dalil is a guide. Okay, uh, Dalil can also mean argument and reason for something. But even then, because it takes your hand as if and guides you to the answer, and so that's what dalala means. It means to guide, to show the way of something. It says he's the one who showed us the way to his tawbah. In other words, we would not have figured it out on our own. And that's exactly what Imam Sajjad says after it. After he says, Allati lam nufidha illa min fadlihi, which we would not have achieved except through his bounty. If it wasn't for him, we would have never known what tawbah was. And let's just assume that we knew what tawbah is, brothers and sisters. We have to understand. Tawbah and giving the being given the opportunity to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that he blesses us with. Or else it's not like we could do that initially on our own. No, 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 no. You have to have permission from the Almighty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he doesn't give permission for tawbah, he says, look, you acknowledge my lordship, don't you? Yes, I do. You acknowledge that I am the all-powerful, almighty, the one all-knowledgeable, the one who if I tell you to do things, you have to listen because I know better. Yes, I agree. I acknowledge that. Because if we don't acknowledge that, we're not even Muslim. We all acknowledge through our Islam that we are to be 100% obedient servants of His. Okay, so if I disobey Him knowingly, willingly, voluntarily, that means that I deserve punishment. And if Allah had not opened the door of tawbah to me, I couldn't say anything. Because he says, I, I let you know the consequences of your actions. That these will be the consequences. You chose to be in this trouble that you're in now. He didn't have to give us permission to do tawbah. But he has opened the door of tawbah. So it's through his bounty, his mercy, his grace, that the door of repentance is open to us. 
even if we knew what it is and we didn't have to be guided to it, it had to be sanctioned by him. So the fact that he has sanctioned it, one. And two, shown us that this door is open and guided us to this door and has said, knock on this door whenever you're in trouble or whenever you get yourself in trouble, that itself is huge. I personally think tawbah is a miracle, brothers and sisters. I personally look at it like that. Tawbah. And then not saying... I'll give you the chance to do tawbah once, but if you break that tawbah again, then you're in big trouble. There's no way back. No, even after a hundred tawbahs, of course, we don't want to fool ourselves either. After a hundred serious tawbahs, not, not, one, not fake tawbahs, real tawbahs, where I regret what I've done and I ask Allah for forgiveness with the intention and decision to try my best not to fall into that again, even though I might know that I might fall into it again, but still, I'm going to try my best not to. Okay, that's tawbah. A hundred times you break your tawbah, return. We have a uh, a line of poetry in Farsi uh, that says, Baza, baza, haran chahasti baza. Return, return. Whatever you are, return to Allah. yahudu baza. Whatever you are. Uh, a polytheist, whether you are a, a Yahudi, whatever you are, return to him. In this region of ours, this home of ours, this place of ours, it's referring to Allah and His mercy, right? Is not a place of hopelessness. If you're connecting yourself to Allah, this is not a place of hopelessness. A hundred times if you broke your tawbah, return to Him. Of course, as I said, we're not going to fool ourselves either. I just do whatever I want. I'm just like, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, and I do it again. No, 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 no. Tawbah means, for those who might ask, tawbah means that you regret, you are regretful and you ask Allah for forgiveness and you have a decision and resolve to try your best not to make that sin again, to, not to commit that sin again. Now, of course, if you make that, if you fall into that sin again, that requires another tawbah and so on and so forth, right? And so sometimes people even ask, well, how do I know that my tawbah has been accepted by Allah. And so the hadiths, very clearly, they say that if you find that you didn't return to that sin, then that means your tawbah is accepted. In other words, your tawbah is always accepted, brothers and sisters. Your, your, your tawbah is always accepted. And if we break our tawbah with a sin, then it's time for another tawbah. But if it ever happens that after a certain tawbah, you never go back to that sin, then it's accepted. So it's accepted until we break it again. Then, then that will require another tawbah. I don't know how to thank Allah for this blessing. But Imam al-Sajjad, he says it really nicely as we go on through this. He says, just to show how great a blessing this is, he goes on to say, min fadlihi illa biha laqad hasuna that had we nothing to count as his bounty but this, his, I would, here I'm going to just say blessing, his blessing of us would have still been enough. His beneficence to us would be great. His bounty upon us, immense. In other words, in other words, brothers and sisters, if this was the only blessing Allah had given us, let's say I was born into this life with God knows, a, a plethora of illnesses 
and hardship and whatever it is, which is not the case, but let's just say that was the case. That Allah hasn't given me half of the blessings that He's given me in this life. He's given me a hundredth of the blessings that I have right now. Let's just say. If that was the case, but I did have tawbah, still that would be enough of a blessing. Imagine that you have zero blessings from God except one, and that is that you have tawbah. Okay, you come into this life. Okay, You're living your life. There's infinity and eternity on the other side that you can achieve in this life. But Allah hasn't has barely given you any tools to achieve this, has given you barely any help for any of this. Yet He's given you the door of tawbah to open it up whenever you do mess up. That is enough. You know why? Because that shows that we, through this tawbah, if we mess up again and again, again and again, we can still secure the akhirah for ourselves through tawbah. But think about it. Look at, look, look at the flip side. If he had given us all the blessings of this life, but had not given us the door of tawbah, how many of us would make it? I don't think many of us would make it. If any at all. And that's where you start to come to this conclusion that it seems that tawbah is part of the package part of the deal it's as if Allah wants to accomplish something through allowing us to have tawbah it seems that even when we sin that's not a, a, as big a deal versus not returning to him and asking him forgiveness it's as if something is accomplished through us ask, asking for forgiveness that would not have been achievable otherwise that's the beauty of tawbah that we have hadiths that even say and I don't want us to take this literally here. I, I take this metaphorically, trying to illustrate a point. Hadith that say, for example, that if there were, if no one was to sin, Allah would create a people that do fall into sin so that He could forgive them. Like, what is, what is this hadith saying? I'm taking it metaphorically. Allah is trying to highlight the importance of asking for forgiveness. That there's something in that that we gain that we would not have been able to gain otherwise. Allah wants His forgiveness to be utilized. He wants to make sure that it's used. Not that He needs it, but He knows the great stuff that comes out of it if we were able to benefit from that. What happens when you ask for forgiveness, you're bringing yourself low before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're acknowledging He's the one who has control over everything and He's the one who can forgive. He's the only way I can secure my afterlife. If if I go anywhere else after I've sinned, I'm not going to be able to figure anything out and fix anything. It gets rid of the arrogance that one might have. Shaytan made this mistake. Instead of making the most of Allah's forgiveness, this guy doubled down on whatever it is he was trying to achieve, whatever it was, and not doing sajda to Adam. Allah, If he had asked for forgiveness, Allah would have forgiven him. Of course, I will say this. If he had asked for forgiveness, Allah would have forgiven, but he would still have to do the sajda. So this guy's not willing to do the sajda, so he's not going to able he's not going to be able to uh, take advantage of Allah's forgiveness. But all in all, it seems that there is the most important thing that, or one of the most important things you, one gets out of tawbah, is the fact that they won't have that arrogance. You know, when I want to do tawbah, if it's someone's rights that I've trampled, I'm I'm going to have to make it up to them. Right? If I've taken something that belonged to them, I'm going to have to give, it, give them that thing back. Or the value of that thing at least, if I don't have that thing anymore. Yeah, If I want to do tawbah to Allah for missing salats, well, I have to make up those salats as well. So I have to do what I need to do. But at the end of the day, this arrogance is going out the window. I'm putting aside my ego and my arrogance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This itself does wonders for one's iman. And so 
one can conclude that yes, this is part of our journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawbah is part of that. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We should make the most of it. While at the same time, we're careful not to not to take advantage of it in a way that we're fooling ourselves either. There are other details in regards to Tawbah and all of that as well. Some people ask that, you know, for example, we, lead, we read in Nahjul Balagha that a true Tawbah is one in which you uh, melt away the flesh that you committed the sins with. You fast, I guess, you know, things like that. Until it reaches a point where that flesh that you committed the sin in has melted away and is replaced by other flesh. Things like that you will have. But our scholars, based on all of our literature, not just this one that you find, this one line that you find in Nahjul Balagha, but all in all, looking at all of the different sources that we have and all the literature that we have, because we have a lot of literature in regards to Tawbah, the conclusion that is drawn is that, yes, for some who have reached very, very high levels of spirituality, they have to have that type of Tawbah maybe. But for the normal people out there, they don't have to go to those lengths to make sure that their sin is forgiven. All it takes is to be regretful, is for us to get back up on our feet and try our best. I will say this as well, and I think there's hadith for this as well, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees His servant trying their best to get back up on their feet, but they keep falling, but Allah sees that they are making an effort, inshallah, eventually Allah will take their hand and help them out of that. All in all, the conclusion we draw is that tawbah is to our benefit, number one, and number two, they want us to keep trying and not give up and lie down on our backs when we fall, but rather get up and try to run towards the destination and not worry about the fact that we did hit the ground. It seems that that is part of the journey, inshallah. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.